When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. You, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Hey guys, if you're looking for a quality bow dealership near Newcastle, Pennsylvania, look no farther than Williams Archery down in Edinburgh, PA, just minutes west of the city. They offer Hoyt, PSE, Elite, Bear, and many more brands. Go check out their bow fishing equipment, or stop in for hands-on shooting lessons. Give Ron and Linda a call at 724-667-9660. We're also very excited to announce our new sponsor, Allen & Friends Custom Calls. With turkey season on everyone's mind, now is the time to order your custom-made calls from ANF. They offer V-cuts, combo cuts, and batwing cuts for all of your turkey calling needs. The best part? If you order today with our code WDP, you will pay $5 per call and receive free shipping. Order today on Instagram at ANF underscore custom calls or by email at ANFCustomCalls at gmail.com. Welcome to episode 30 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in my basement until the rack shack's done with construction almost. Charles Headline, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. The Dirty 30. The Dirty 30. I'm we excited it. about it. We're big time now. <laughs> We're big time now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Told you every episode that ends in a zero, I'm going to get fired up. I dig it. You know what? Just hold on. Ramble for a second. I'm going to do something awesome. I'm going to give you the red flare. Woo! <laughs> I didn't want to blow out the microphone. That was impressive. Uh, he's fired up. I I'm am fired, fired up. up. So last week, <laughs> can't even talk with you. <laughs> last week we announced our new sponsor, ANF Custom Calls, Allen and Friends Custom Calls. That is correct. And today we brought to you guys Kyle Allen, the creator of Allen and Friends Custom Calls. 
Now, there's a funny play on the ANF custom calls name. This is also true. <laughs> we found this out, and we really didn't. I mean, I didn't pick up on it at first, but Allegheny National Forest initials are ANF, which is where Kyle does the majority of his hunting, is the Allegheny National Forest. He has a camp up in Marionville, and he gets it done year in and year out. And just to come up with a name that represents him and make custom calls for the most affordable price out there is unbelievable. And I'm very proud of him. Kyle's a good friend of mine. We met in college, played baseball together, and we've, you know, kept contact over the years. So, and that comes from him being a hunter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those are the friendships. Whenever you find another hunter, that those are the ones that really stick. I agree. You know? I agree. He's a really good dude. He makes really good calls. Guys, just do us a huge favor. Go out there and support the people who support our podcast. It would do us a humongous favor. Mm-hmm. And while you're at it, doing us all these favors that we have to ask every week, go over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. We'll give you a hug. We'll give you a <laughs> high five. We'll do whatever you want. Charles will give you a foot rub. <laughs> I'm pretty good at foot rubs, but I probably won't touch your feet. <laughs> <laughs> I like it to touch your feet. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, we would really appreciate it. It really helps us out. It does. It does a huge part for our podcast and the recognition and growth of our podcast. When you give us a five-star rating on iTunes, anytime someone searches whitetail or, you know, pod, the whitetail distraction, whatever, you know, as soon as they type in whitetail, our name pumps up that list. The more we get ratings and reviews and the more people are talking about us, so. That's why it's a huge deal for us to get those five-star ratings. It takes literally half a second. You go onto the iTunes app on your phone if you have an iPhone, and you literally just click the five-star. It's perfect. Please don't leave us a one-star review, even if we suck. (laughs) (laughs) We're having fun, so back off. So back off. (laughs) But other than that, this is a really good episode. Kyle Allen, he's a really cool dude. So I hope you guys enjoy. Yep, he's the turkey guru. Let's get him on the phone. All right, we have on the phone with us good buddy of mine reigning from West Middlesex originally, Kyle Allen. What's going on, Kyle? Oh, nothing much. Thanks for having me on, Chuck. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, we announced last episode that we had an exciting announcement coming up, and you were actually part of that exciting announcement. But we'll get to that later. So let's get right into it. We have you on the podcast because you're a little bit of a turkey guru and we're ate up by turkeys right now. I mean, Austin and I, we're fired up waiting for turkey season. So. You better believe it. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, man, I got to get some turkey. I gotta, we got to get a turkey guy on and you're the first one that comes to mind when I think turkeys. So why don't we jump right into it? And I know I mentioned you originally from West Middlesex, but why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where you're from and a little bit about yourself professionally. Yeah, so uh, right now, yeah, I'm from West Middlesex. Currently, I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Kind of work brought me down here. I'd, I'd rather be out in the country, but here I am in the big city. I um, I do broker-dealer compliance for a bank downtown um, here in Pittsburgh. But most of the weekends I spend are hunting up in the uh, National Forest, so that's where I grew up hunting. That's right. Nice. That's cool, man. Nice. I dig that. We do a little bit of that ourselves. You know, usually when I think of bankers, I think of turkey callers, so... the two are related it has to be (laughs) so you do a lot of a lot of hunting in the big woods then um that's right what do you think how do you think that affects your hunting in general 
or the way you approach your hunting? Um, well, I think a lot of guys, I, more more now than before, are, so to speak, trophy hunters. And to me, a trophy is, is anything I shoot, really. And especially up there, you could hunt for three days and, and not see it here, and then a little six-point comes past you, and you're excited as all hell, and you shoot it, and that's just as good as shooting a 140-inch deer on private property. I mean... Absolutely. To, to me, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, I think with our experience up there, uh, we can definitely agree with you there, especially when it comes to bucks. I mean, you're not far from us. You're in Marionville. Our camp's about 20 minutes yeah. probably about from Marionville, but, man, yeah. we, we know. We know how tough it is hunting those big woods, and it's all public land, you know, big tracks. It, yeah. It's tough. It's absolutely tough, but so... Let's go farther back. Let's yeah. go. Let's, let's yeah. bring it on back and let, let's go back to how did you get into hunting and uh, how did you ultimately get into turkey hunting? Perfect. So just getting into hunting, I mean, as far back as I can remember, I was probably, I want to say like four or five years old. Sweet. And I'd go hunting up, I'd go hunting with my, uh, my great grandpa, my grandpa and my dad and my brother. Um, we'd go up to the national forest and there were so many deer up there at the time. We would just build a fire. We would literally just sit there, eat lunch, and we'd have deer hunting everywhere. I remember this one time, my grandpa, um, I think it was my great-grandpa, we're sitting around the fire. He shoots a deer. My brother and I go down. We drag it out. We bring it back up to the Jeep. We're sitting there. I can't remember who was my dad or my grandpa. They shoot a deer on the, in the same exact spot. Um, we go down, drag it out. It, and that, That's what hunting was to me, so I, I, I loved going hunting back then. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from there, I mean, I, I'd go out turkey hunting with my dad. I remember, I don't ever remember my dad shooting a turkey in front of me when I was little, but I just loved going out in the woods. Yeah. I dig that, man. I, I never got to do that when I was really, really young. I kind of always wanted, I always wanted to, but I think my dad saw it more as a burden <laughs> on the fact that <laughs> what they did was a little too advanced for, you know, seven, eight year old. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Maybe that was just selfish on his part. I don't, well, <laughs> no, but for real, I mean, back then they weren't using the best of equipment and that kind of stuff, you know, and going archery yeah. hunting was probably the, his biggest passion. And to try to take a yeah. seven or eight year old archery hunting, that's not very easy well, to a, do. Yeah. My dad, my dad was the same way. He would shoot a buck in archery season every year and then uh, we'd go up there and, and doe hunt. And nice. Of course, it was more about just getting us out in the woods than it was anything else. Yep. I remember one time. Uh, he wakes me up before school and he says, Hey, you want to go hunting? And I was like, yeah, I think I was in, I was in middle school, I think. And my little brother was able to go too. So he took us up to the, we drove up to the camp and we get out, we walk up the hill and we weren't out of the, the truck for 10 minutes and he shoots a doe. And I was like, dad, you don't, I don't have to go back to school. Do I? And he's like, no, you don't have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good. Dad, we, uh... we hunted for 10 minutes. He shoots a deer and that was it. Yeah, that's a good way to fall in love with hunting. I mean, not only do you get to experience something so great, but you also got to spend the whole day out of out of school. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that worked out nice. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that. That's cool, man. So you hunted a lot when you were younger. Um, you and I, we met personally in college. Uh, we yeah. were on the same baseball team at Westminster, and that's how we got to know each other. And we've become right. pretty good friends since then. Um, but we have not hunted together. I'm kind of disappointed. We need to get out and do some hunting together, man. 
well, you can't, you don't make room in the tree for me. You hardly <laughs> ever let me know when you're turkey hunting, so we never meet up. I know, I know, that's on me. I'll, I'll agree. Uh, <laughs> usually, uh, good old Bud and I, we, we do most of the turkey hunting together, but. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we've been having some fun, but honestly, I've only really gotten into it over the last three or four years, turkey hunting more in the spring. And this fall is like the first time ever getting out and actually turkey hunting. In the on, fall. In the fall. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so I've been, uh, I've been ate up with the bugs. So now I'm ready. You know, I had it. I had to get some practice in. Okay. I had to get to your level. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't to your level yet. So <laughs> dude, if he's competition calling, I'm sorry to say, I still don't think you're to his level. <laughs> uh, probably not. Probably not. But so what I did earlier by bringing up the big woods and bringing up Allegheny National Forest, I actually wanted to circle that around and bring up why we have you on today because it relates directly to your new business venture name ANF basically Allegheny National Forest except in this case it stands <laughs> it's, it stands it's, for it's a dual it's a dual purpose yes, title dual purpose our, our yeah so it's actually Allen and Friends custom calls which is pretty cool i've been buying some turkey calls off you for the last few years and now you're finally uh making it a whole business so how's that been yeah uh, a little stressful, um, just trying to get all the calls made. A one-man operation as far as building the calls, but I do have two business partners, uh, Colton Riley and Zach Smith. Um, they're going to be more of a media, social media salesman for me, mm-hmm. distributors. We, uh, I met those guys playing softball, actually, and, and kind of all understood that we really love turkey hunting, and they tried my calls, and they're like, hey, we could get these to some of our friends, and so I started making them for their friends. It kind of just took off from there. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for them. I mean, they killed us some birds <laughs> last year. <laughs> I was going to say, man, honestly, I listened to you calling last year quite quite a few times. I actually think I think you screwed me a little bit. I asked <laughs> you to get me a couple calls from them, and you didn't. So I would have been using them <laughs> last year too, Kyle, but you know. <laughs> That's what it's, it's so hard to keep up with the amount of people that wanted them and i was like well i better turn this into a business and make some money off of it you know oh no absolutely no i i totally get it because chuckles he was uh he called in quite a few turkeys with them last year and they did they sounded great man i'm yeah i'm excited yeah, to get my I hands on a couple this year colton i think colton uh when one of his partner he he um i think he said he called in 13 birds last year using them wow i know i called in i i missed three birds and killed one so that was four for me um and well, then I called one in for Zach. That's five for me. Yeah. And what about Zach, like in the in the fall too? You're calling in the fall a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, I use them. I use them in the fall. Um, so you got to add those stats in there. Yeah, I, I didn't include any of the um, the ghost reads in, in my in the original release we're going to do here this spring. Nice. Um, the ghost read is is more for the um, like the key key run. That's what I would use in the fall. So yeah, mm-hmm. look for that here um, maybe uh, this summer, early fall. But, awesome. Yeah, that's 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 the only call I use are the ones I make. I can dig that. Yeah. Well, let's get into that then. So you're coming out with the first run. You're going to do V cuts, a combo cut, and a bat wing cut to start. Is that correct? Correct. And I'm, I'm going to do two different tensions. I'm making one tension a little looser for guys who, who don't blow as hard on the call. And then I'm doing a, a tight tension for guys the call like I do. I, I put a lot of pressure and I think you get a little sharper sound, a little more front end on the call. So okay. a little more realistic, but it's, it's all personal preference. And I mean, you might get the call and it might feel really tight when you're blowing on it. When you first get it out of the package, mm-hmm. 
but give it 10, 15 minutes of consistent calling and, and it'll break in. Oh, yeah. You just got to be patient with it. Okay. So if you had a more of a beginner caller, they would probably prefer the looser tension with, like, say, a double read V cut. Correct. Okay. Which is probably where yeah, the, that's... the V cut, I would say, is the easiest call to control. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, you're just going to get your basic rasp, but, and you're going to kill turkeys. But And then I would say the hardest one to use would be the bat wing. Um, that's the one I would call in the competitions with. And that's kind of how I started making my own calls is I was getting tired of spending 10 or $15 on a call at the store, getting out of the package, and then I didn't like the way it sounded. So I was like, <laughs> well, that stinks. Yeah. So I just... <laughs> I just bought a press and latex and frames, started making calls until the, I built one that sounded right, and then went from there. That's awesome. crazy, isn't it? Like, I just kind of want to, like, even back it up a second because it just kind of popped in my head. Like, how do you even get into, like, starting to make your own diaphragm calls and mouth calls? Like, I wouldn't even know where to start. How did you, like, figure out what everything you needed, the different kinds of latex, the different tape, all that fun stuff? A lot of time on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I <bet>. yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, just Google. Like, uh, I found a, a turkey hunting forum and, and calling competition forum, and, and that's what almost all the guys in calling competitions are, are making their own call. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find someone. Even the guys that say they're sponsored by by calling companies, they're using their own calls that they built, and they're oh, just slapping sure. that company's name on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm that's sure. no it's no secret in the turkey calling business that that, that that's what's going on. But but yeah, I mean. You can build a call yourself for the fraction of the price. You just got to figure out what what tension you need, the back tension you need, the the, the distance between the, the stacking of the latex. There's a lot that goes into it. I probably burned through, I would say, close to 60 or 80 calls before I even found one that sounded remotely right. Oh, man. And just kind of went off of that. Okay. So how'd you uh, so test them? Invested. Yeah, how'd you really test, like, the sound of them? Was that just all from what you knew from other calls that you used in the past or what you preferred and you thought you sounded best from all I your time would, out there? Yeah, I mean, I would just go based off of what sounded right to me. Mm-hmm. I would, What I would do is I would set my phone 10 or 15 yards away, go out and call, and then if I thought that sounded like a turkey, then I would kind of critique it off of that. That's and not then, a bad idea. I, or I'd go out in the woods and, and see what it sounds like in the woods. I think the, the biggest part for me was trying not to sound like another turkey caller, but just trying to sound like a turkey. Yeah. I think a lot of guys which were trying to do that where they were trying to sound like another caller that was really good, but you can't do that. You got to go off of what you think sounds like a turkey. Yeah. No, absolutely. That sounds, that sounds right. So when you, so you initially got into turkey calling competitions. How, how did you like find out what, what, where you were going to go for turkey calling and, how did you really get into the competitions in general? Like, did you just like kind of running a, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go start calling competitively? Well, I was, I was probably like, I think I was like 13 years old. My dad and my mom bought me, uh, an HS strut V cut triple read for, uh, for Easter. It was in my Easter basket. And I spent the whole day out on the back deck just calling with that thing. And then my dad said, Hey, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. So then I just kept at it. And then one, one winter, uh, we were hunting and I, I saw one of our hunters, he didn't see me standing in the woods and I had my turkey call and then I started calling and messing with him. Yeah. <laughs> he thought there was a turkey over there. Well, then he figured out it was me. Well, he tells my dad, he said, Hey, you should let Kyle call in some competitions. He would probably win the, the junior division. So I went to, um, we looked up where one would be. We looked online and we saw one down at the Cabela's down in Wheeling, West Virginia. I think I was 14 years old. I went down there and I was the only junior per- like the junior caller that called with a mouth call and I ended up winning. 
That's that was the awesome. first competition I'd called in. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot. Then, that's yeah. how I got into it. Yeah. So I totally forgot you can use any form of calling in those competitions. So you can use a box call or a striker, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. You can use anything. And you whooped them, whooped them all with a mouth call. That's pretty impressive, man. Especially at that age. It yeah. took me 25 years to learn how to use one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, with, only- uh, little or no effort. So. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, I had only one other competition after that. And then. I had to move up in, into the uh, the open division with all the guys that call it Grand Nationals, and the best I ever finished was sixth. And then I haven't called in the past couple years; just been too busy. And yeah. Anything you plan on getting back into? Uh, the, the biggest problem for me is just I I know I can call good, and then when I get up on stage, it's just nerves. Like yeah. you can call good, but then when you get up there, your mouth's dry. It doesn't matter how good you sound, but when you get up there, you know what it's like when you get a turkey within 100 yards. You can't call. You choke on your mouth call. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what happens when you're up on stage. So I don't know. I mean, I'd like to, but I, I, if I can't control my nerves, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's got to be tough. I mean, because for one thing, the hardest part when you get nervous is controlling your breathing. You know? Yeah, so. breathing, and, and if your mouth gets dry. If your mouth gets dry, it's game over. You can't, you can't make the call run right. Right, right. right. That's insane. So, Kyle, one thing I want to like, I want to clear the air with this and get and get it out of the way, like right now. So, I feel like most people, including me, sometimes they don't take care of their turkey calls the way that they should, especially diaphragm calls. Now, I know I've ruined calls in the past by being out in the woods, forgetting about them, throwing them back in the case, and just you know, you go out, throw them in your back, yep. yeah, you hang it up, and then next thing you know, you need your call and it doesn't work. So, yeah. Can you kind of go into how you take care of your calls and how you condition them and keep them the way that they should be so that every time you go and grab your call, it's like it's running perfectly? Yeah. So what what I do, um, I, there's 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 many different logics behind why people do the things they do. But what works for me is I as soon as I run my call, um, I throw it in my, my case, whatever I'm done hunting, I come home. And I'll grab the call out of the case again because I, didn't want, I don't want the reeds to stick together. I'll, I'll run the call at home. And then I'll pop it in the freezer. I don't put any any toothpicks because I don't want to stretch the latex at all. Right. I want it to stay crisp. So I'll just I'll run the call so there's a little bit of I guess you'd say moisture saliva between the, the reeds, and then I pop it in the freezer, and it's going to be exactly the way you left it when you pull it out of the freezer. If that's, that's real if, interesting. Um, say I'm somewhere where I don't have access to the freezer. Say I'm going down to Southern Ohio and I'm going to sleep in my Jeep for two days and, and I, I don't have a freezer, then I'll put toothpicks in it just because I don't want the reeds to stick together yeah. and, and dry rot. So if you, if you have access to a freezer, use that. But other than that, you can use a toothpick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just kind of wanted to like get that out there. Cause I know so many times, like I've gone and I've, I've gone in my Turkey vest for the next season and I've been like, you know what? I didn't fix that call before I put it away. And you know, now I need a new call for the season or, now I need to buy yeah. two or three more calls and whatnot. I just kind of wanted to get that out of the way. Like I feel like yeah, most people I, are kind of that way. Honestly, you don't need to. You don't need to give up on that call. If even if they're stuck together, you could blow on it for five minutes or get it get it wet and and put the put the call backwards in front of your mouth and blow uh-huh. in the in between the reeds and you'll separate the reeds and then that call will work fine. Okay. Huh. I dig that. So I actually did that this year because I forgot to take care of mine last year. But what I did yeah. is I got them. Got them wet, started to try to call on them a little bit just to get them a little moistured. And then I took a real flat, sharp um, toothpick, and I just slowly ran them in between those reeds to just kind of separate them and open them up. 
Yeah. And then when I finally I, got them open, then I put the toothpick in and put it in the fridge. Yeah, I poked I poked holes in the latex before doing mm-hmm. that, and then I think, in my opinion, I think you're stretching the latex out doing that. Okay. It was but, a surgical procedure for sure. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I was definitely uh, very cautious to not rip any of them on. And it didn't look visually stretched, but I'm sure I did. Like you said, I did some damage. But after I ran them after that, I, they were perfectly crisp and clear. And they, they ran just like yeah. they did last year when I put them away. So I was really pumped to not waste and four maybe, calls. Maybe that it's I paranoia on, on <laughs> yeah. my part. Oh, no. But, I mean, I and I think it's... I think it's definitely just that people people need to take care of them, and I think you're right. Yeah. People it's something don't. you don't think about, like especially if you just shot a bird, you quick throw it in your vest, and mm-hmm. you're just trying to get it yeah. out of your mouth and run up there and get the bird and everything, and you know you just forget about your all celebrations yeah. and high fives yeah. and stuff. You know, I've heard also. I did that with my calls this fall. I, I threw them in my my vest after I got done hunting. I threw my vest in my jeep, and then when mm-hmm. I went home, I threw my vest in my my closet, and then. I forget what I was doing. I pulled it out and I said, "Well, I need a new call for the fall." <laughs> yeah, hey, good thing you know a guy. Because that was too far gone by that point. It was it was like two months, and I was uh, like, "Well, that, that call is done." Oh yeah, see that happened to me this year. I was just, I mean, that's what made me kind of think about it. I had, I bought a couple of really good calls last year from Woodhaven, and they were expensive. They weren't, they weren't like that's who I used before I started making my calls. The Woodhavens, Woodhaven. yeah, I mean they're they're great calls, but. You know, I I paid good money for him, and then I left him in my vest. Well, Didn't even think bucks. about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And then I know this year it was kind of like Chuck said. Like I went, and I got him out, and I was gonna try and pick them together and try and get the reeds separated. And mm-hmm. I did exactly what you said. I put holes in the reeds, and then it was just like, nope, it's done. It's not even worth it. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a good thing I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out. So let's get into that, huh? So Kyle Allen. From Allen and Friends Custom Calls will be our newest sponsor to the podcast. Rut row. We are excited to announce that we will have you on. And uh, we're pumped, man. Like I said, I've yeah, been running too. your calls, and now the guys here, they get a chance to run your calls, and it's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah, man. I'm stoked. So yeah, wait- I can't wait to see all the guys the guys that get calls from me this year. Um, we'll post all, all the pictures to, to our Instagram page, um, and up underscore custom calls. Um, mm-hmm. That way we'll we'll get our name out there and get get some success stories out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I absolutely. feel like now that you're a sponsor, you definitely have to come out and do like a sponsored turkey hunt with us. <laughs> I'll do that. Absolutely. <laughs> that. I don't even have to shoot. I'll just call. I, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, or maybe I'll call <laughs> for you and you can just shoot a bird. <laughs> no, that's cool, that man. I, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I was sitting there. I was actually laying on my couch one night watching turkey videos and i kept seeing you know every time they'd blow a call it would come up with the company's name and i went son of a bitch like a light bulb just went off i went i've been running kyle's calls now for three four years why don't i get in contact with him and see if he'd want to do something and it just so happened as soon as i text you you called me immediately you didn't even text me back and you're like dude i'm just starting an llc like I, I'm actually getting into this, and it was perfect timing on both our halves. So that was that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like perfect timing. Mm-hmm. So why don't we? You are also. I want to cover. You're in some stores, or you're going to be in some stores as well. Do you know, or can you share what stores you're going to be in? Uh, we do have one store. Um, it is out in Perry County, PA. 
Okay. It's going to be at uh, Base Camp Outfitters in Newport. Okay. Um, we're going to we're going to start there. Um, see how things go. Uh, most of we're hoping most of our sales this year are um, are done online, but that's that's one store we're in this year. Base awesome. Camp Outfitters in Newport, PA. I dig that. Sweet. So, if somebody wanted to get one of your calls, how would they go about doing that? So, for right now, um, we're going to have them contact us on our Instagram page. We also have our email, which is anfcustomcalls at gmail.com. Nice. And then we'll go over um, our, our payment, how we would get a payment and get them sent out to you. Awesome. Awesome. Now, we've mentioned pricing a lot, and we haven't mentioned your pricing point yet. But, I mean, I, like we said, typical call, 10 to $15, that's not unheard of. But what are you pricing right. your calls at currently? So what we're selling them at this year, uh, we're starting out with, they're going to be $5 a call plus tax and shipping. Awesome. That um, is. <laughs> but they, they do get a little discount from you, Chuck. You want to tell them about that? Absolutely, I do. I was actually leading into that. Uh, thank you. Uh, so we are going to have a discount code for the podcast. If you use the code capital WDP for Whitetail Distraction Podcast, when you order, just send it, hey, WDP or I want this call, this call I heard about on the Whitetail Distraction Podcast, you will receive your call for the $5, but you will get free shipping. So you're going to save yourself the shipping. You're going to pay $5 in the sales tax on it, and that's it. So you're still getting a super cheap call. Now you're saving on shipping if you order through us. So um, that's yep. that's going to be really cool. I mean, there's going to be so many people that are going to order. I know a ton of people already, and I had guys last year that ordered through you. So I'm excited yeah. for it, man. And these aren't cheap yeah, calls, guys. These are They are legit diaphragm mm-hmm. calls. I mean, he makes them all different ways. And, you know, they just really sound good. I don't know if you want to hop on, Kyle, and really try and blow oh, it yeah. through the mic and see how it goes. Don't get all nervous and dry-mouthed on us. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm trying not to do right now. Hold on, Sip the beer. Sip the <laughs> beverage. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready, Trump. Hey, we're ready. And I, I know what you did there. Not too shabby, man. Not too shabby at all. I'm so kind of glad I got it recorded now. I can just go out in the woods and just play that. I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that Batwing uh, triple read we were talking about, right? Exactly. Yep. That's uh, that that call right there is two years old. That's, no kidding. Wow. That one I just used. That's a pretty sounding call. I know that much. Yeah, so definitely cool with it. let's get into our roots now, okay? I want to hear a good story from you. I want to hear either your favorite turkey story or your favorite hunting story or both. I want to hear both. I do want to hear both because I want to hear <laughs> some stories. I want to get talking. Oh, boy. So, favorite hunting story. That's right. If you want to start there, if you've got a good turkey I think, story. I, I think favorite hunting story, I don't know, one that always pops into my head. I had shot a, uh, a fall turkey, and I had shot my first bear. Ooh, that's good and, year. Uh, and uh, I hadn't gotten a buck yet, and I was hoping to get a Pennsylvania Grand Slam. I hadn't got one before. This was back in um, uh, the 2013-2014 season. And uh, I was up on the – it was the last day of rifle season, and I was up with my grandpa, just my grandpa and I hunting. And he, he's, um, he would have been, been 70, 
four or 75 years old uh, back then. And we found a, a, a buck track. I mean, it, we didn't know it was a buck. We just found a big track in the snow. And I said, well, I'll take that track and you go over on the other road and I'll, I'll follow it. We'll see if one of us can get a shot at it. And I tracked, we, I started on that track at like nine in the morning. And then it, it turned out it was like two in the afternoon. I tracked it all day. And I think he just had caught a glimpse of it. I was pretty tired. I mean, I'm walking up and down these mountains all day through the treetops and what have you. And he goes, I come to this road and he's standing over there. And he, I said, I don't think I can walk anymore. <laughs> he said, well, why don't you go stand? Why don't you walk up the road? You cut, go up to this certain road and you just stand down there. He said, just go down there about a couple hundred yards and just stand there. I said, all right. And, uh, he takes the track and I swear to God, it was like 10 minutes and here comes this buck and it's coming right at me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, right where he told me to go stand, and it's just coming right at me. And it gets, like, 60 yards, I shoot, and it goes right down. And I'm like, and that's part of, like, how I've been so successful up there is just having my dad and my grandpa always putting me in the right spots and showing me where to go. Um, that was my first Grand Slam year. Um, I ended up getting a, a spring turkey up there that year. And then um, two years later, I got another Grand Slam up there. I got the fall turkey buck and a bear and the fall, uh, spring turkey. And now this year, um, I got my fall turkey. Um, I shot my buck in archery season. I got a bear again. And uh, I can get my uh, spring turkey, which I think I just might. Um, I'll have my third grand slam in the national horse in six years. Dude, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to need you to uh, send me coordinates to that bear spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not the same. <laughs> they're all different. Oh, man. Uh, You've shot three bears in Pennsylvania. That is super impressive, man, honestly. Yeah, well, there, our group, um, we've killed 45 in the last 20 years. Um, most of the guys have two, one or two. There's a handful of us with three, and then I think one guy has six. Wow. Holy crap, man. That is wild. And yeah. you guys last year got the 780-pound bear that was taken out of Allegheny National Forest. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that was enormous. your group. That was your group, huh? Yeah, that was an adventure. <laughs> That's unreal. I mean, 780 pounds. I don't even know how you get that out. Like, well, honestly, because you're I not allowed to quarter him and stuff, yeah. I don't think, right? <laughs> he can tell you. Oh, damn. <laughs> so I shot my bear. Um, I had set up on this road, and uh, I knew some guys were on, on a track, and, and I set up on this road, and I'm, I'm looking. I could see probably – it wasn't really a road. It was a trail, like an old logging road. And I'm, setting up, mm-hmm. I'm set up, and I could see probably 200 yards down the hill. I could see probably 200 yards both directions down the trail. And I was like, you know what? I can't picture a bear coming through here. So I said, you know where I can picture a bear coming through? It's down that hill, probably 300 yards in that, in those beech saplings. Yeah. Between the beech saplings and the creek. So I was like, well, if I go down there, I said, I'm going to stay down there the rest of the day. Well, I went down there and I was only standing there for probably 10 minutes in these beech saplings. And I could only probably see, I, w- I would say at the most, 35 yards. And I felt like an idiot because I'm standing there with a 7mm with a 3 by 9 power scope, and I can only shoot 35 yards, but I'm like, the bear's going to come through here. And I'm standing there, and I hear this panting behind me. I'm, I hear, and here's the bear. It's 10 yards away. <laughs> shot it right in the chest. That was it. So I call on the radio, say, I got it. Then the fun begins. We have to take this bear 400 yards up this mountainside. So we have a stretcher. 
<laughs> and about 10 guys. We hunt with a group of, of like 20 guys. And um, about 10 guys showed up to help me get it out after about an hour. It took us an hour to get that bear out. Well, meanwhile, while I got my bear, the guys that were tracking my bear headed back to their vehicle. On their way out, they saw that big bear and started shooting it. Well, that bear was, I think, a half a mile from the nearest road when they killed it. Oh, good. So now we have, <laughs> we just got my bear out, which weighed 218 pounds. Now we have this bear that's 780 pounds, and we got to figure out how we're going to get this bear out. So Dude, we that's had, literally we had like the size with, of a grizzly. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, that's funny because he's getting a full mount, and they're using a grizzly a form, a grizzly form to mount this bear. That is intense. I bet. They yeah, have that's to. a seriously big bear. Like, if you told somebody you shot a 780-pound black bear, they're going to be like, you're full of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. On what high-fence property? <laughs> yeah. so we, get to, we, 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 we have someone. We weren't sure if we were allowed to quarter it up. So we yeah. had someone go back to the check station and, and ask the game commission, hey, can we, can we quarter this thing up? And they said, yeah, that's fine. And the, the game commission came out to where we had shot it and everything and making sure everything was legit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we, we had to, we couldn't move it. We, we didn't realize the bear was 780 pounds. We, we were saying like, oh, like 500, 600. We were like, we knew it was big, but we didn't understand how big it was. We put that stretcher, the same stretcher we got my bear out with, we put it under and four of us tried to pick it up and we started bending the stretcher around the bear. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, we're, we're, we stood it and we, we honestly stood. He shot it. I, I want to say he shot it at like 130. Or something like that. And we didn't even begin to like skin it. We started skinning it. We didn't start skinning it until like 3.30. Because like we were just looking at it. Trying to figure out how we're going to get it off this mountain. Because like we were. There was all these rocks. All these beach saplings. There was no easy way out. (laughs) So we skinned it. The hide and the head we had to string over um, a log. And eight guys were on the log. Four in the front. Four in the back. And we were carrying it out. We, We could only go 20 yards. And we had to set it down. Oh, the hide in the head, I think, weighed, I want to say it weighed 290 pounds or wow. 300 pounds, something like that. Just that the hide in the head. That- <laughs> then we had another guy go back to his camp. He got a chainsaw, and that's how we quartered it up. We had to quarter it up, and, and guys were carrying the legs out together. And it was, we. I think we finally got it out at like between 8.30 and 9 o'clock. He had shot it at around 1.30. We didn't get the bear out of the woods until 9 o'clock. <laughs> Dude, that is that's like I don't even listen. Like, then, I don't think you could even get that out if you had a four wheeler or something. I think it'd just be yeah, sitting there. Be able to move it. Yeah, <laughs> that is crazy. And then, you and got, then we woke up oh, the next man. morning and shot another one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why not? You know, we're, we're doing it. Might as well just keep going, right? <laughs> right. Oh man! So you got three last year as a group total? No, we got we got four. We got yeah, one on the four. first day. Okay. Okay. And that's kind of how. We had a discussion at my camp. Um, my brother and I had set up on that first bear. Um, we had a guy tracking it, and we set up, and we were like, oh, yeah, we can see pretty good in the woods here. Like, we could both see probably 100 yards. But we were spaced out. There was probably 200 yards between us. Okay. And uh, that bear, wouldn't you know, it crossed right where we both couldn't see, in the brush. So when we got back to the camp that night, we ended up killing that bear. But when we got back to the camp that night, we, we had this discussion. is you, you can't set up where you can see. Like, you right. have to set up where you think the bear is going to go. Like, you, you just have to go with what your gut's telling you. And so that's kind of how I set up where I set up the day I shot mine, and it worked. Dang. Wow. See, that's that's total opposite of what I do. I go and 
exactly to where I can see like everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, if I see yeah. one, I can reach out and touch it somewhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But no, it makes most sense. I mean, bear are going to find the most secure areas even when they're traveling. Oh, definitely. You know, so it, it definitely makes sense to get to somewhere where you can't see a long ways because you know a bear is going to try to sneak through that spot. Yep. Because he knows that security. And man, I can't believe it. I, I've never even, I mean, I've only bear hunted with a rifle once ever, but in archery, I've seen them. And I probably saw about a 300 pound sow one time and she looked ginormous. I can only imagine what a 780 pound bear would look like. Running through the woods, when it ran like you could just see the fat shake. Yeah. Like the, the whole, like the, he, when he was skinning it, or when those guys were skinning it, I swear to God, there was five inches of fat on it. That's Maybe crazy. More. Yeah, you sent me those pictures. That was wild. Just yeah. to see the layers of fat on that thing. He'd been eating good. A lot of jelly donuts. <laughs> A lot of jelly donuts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he was eating. It was, it was crazy. That's crazy. You know, it's even more amazing. Like. Out of all the people that bear hunt and all the bears that get killed every year, that bear made it that long mm-hmm. and it got that big in Pennsylvania. That's just absolutely yeah. crazy to me. Blows my mind. That's yeah. Cool. And you guys. There's, um, it's actually the, the full story um, is coming out in the Pennsylvania game news um, next month right? or at the end of this month. The, the full story from the guy who shot at Mike Rubio. He's awesome. going to have the full story out. Awesome. I'll make sure to look for that. Yeah, definitely. That'll be a good read. But you guys got what seven a year before that, right? Um, there was one a year. I'm pretty sure you guys took took home seven. Not the, the year that I, the year that I got my second bear. We killed we killed seven. We got yeah. we got five on the last day. Yeah, that's that's incredible. <laughs> it was it was it was crazy. We had guys running around like swapping guns because they were walking on a track and then they popped out and they didn't have a gun. And guys who had got bear would <laughs> hand them their gun. Like I shot my bear with a gun that wasn't mine. Because <laughs> I gave my gun to my little brother who had never killed a bear, but he was walking the track and yeah, he needed a gun because there was another bear coming back this way. It, it was there were bears just running everywhere. It was it was mayhem. Jeez. So That's what do you guys wild. do if you don't get any snow up there? How do you track them then? Where do you just push? So if if we don't have snow, we'll, we'll just push thickets, okay, push treetops, thickets, and yeah, Insane. that's how that's how we get them. We never we don't sit. I mean we 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 make we make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's, apparently you do if you shoot yeah. that many bears. Like. <laughs> so now going back to the Grand Slam, do you have to kill the fall turkey to, as part of the Grand Slam? Is it just spring gobbler, buck, and bear? For, well, let me ask you this, Chuck. When you when you hit a Grand Slam in baseball, how many runs do you score? That's a great point. I mean, you are scoring all four. <laughs> and Dude, those four. question there. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Yeah, I, you have to get the fall, the fall turkey, a buck, a bear, and a spring turkey. That's impressive. That's impressive. But it helps killing fall turkeys when you have a turkey dog, doesn't it? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I had a little help this year. We mentioned you on a previous podcast about your turkey dog, and everybody was like, what is a turkey dog? And I tried to explain the best I can, but I think you could do a little better explaining uh, who Lloyd is and what he does for you. Yeah, so Lloyd comes from, he's uh, he's an Appalachian turkey dog. Um, he came from Carol Gathright's bloodline down in uh, Buckingham County, Virginia. He's a mix, and the, the bloodline is, is fairly new. I think it's only about 45 years old. Um, but it's a mix between, I think, a plot hound, a walker hound, um, English setter, Irish setter, English pointer, and Gordon setter. Jeez. <laughs> and this guy, just he kind of formulated this, this breed over the years of a dog that would 
would track turkeys and, and bark and then the temperament just sit still while you call them back. So what, what Lloyd does, and when I shot my bird this year, my little brother had located a, a flock of turkeys, but they were too far away and he didn't want to run down through the woods like a madman trying to break them up. And that's kind of how I got, wanted to get a dog is I got tired of running down through the woods and turkey shells and calls flying out of my pockets and it's really not safe to run with a gun in your hand. So I got a dog that would do that for me. So we, we found this flock and, and we, we knew where they had gone and where their scent was. And when Lloyd hit that scent, he, he went probably 200 yards and I have a, a GPS caller and I can see him on that caller. Well, a, a turkey dog normally when he breaks the flock up, he'll, he'll bark. Well, Lloyd's only a puppy and he hasn't started really barking when he breaks them up. He will sometimes, but he, he doesn't unless he sees them. Um, but when I look at the GPS, I can see when he breaks a flock of turkeys up because he'll sit in the same spot and do a bunch of circles. Well, obviously those turkeys have flown and they're no longer there and he's checking for the scent. And I can tell when I look at my GPS that that's what he's, what he's done. So when I saw that he did that, my little brother Clay and I, we walked up there and I see Lloyd up there and I gave him some praise and stuff, you know, good boy. And then I set up, kind of set up, picked out where we, we were, where we were going to set up. And, and I have a camouflage burlap sack that I have for Lloyd to cover him up. He's a, he's a black dog, but I have an orange vest for him because if guys are hunting with rifles and shotguns, I don't want them to see a turkey run and then my dog chasing after them. And if he sees something black move, shoot him. So right. Lloyd's got an orange vest. Well, when we set up, all I have to do is say lap. When I say the word lap, Lloyd will come over and he'll curl up in a ball and sit right between my legs. And then I'll cover him up in that burlap. And he'll sit still and he won't move until I tell him he can get up and then, or if the gun goes off. And I had never shot over top of him until when I killed mine. I called those birds in. They got about 30 yards away and Lloyd didn't move a muscle. And I wasn't sure if Clay could see the birds yet, but the one hen had spotted me and I was like, well, I got to shoot now. So I shoot. And I pick my gun up so I don't end up shooting Lloyd. Well, Lloyd flew out of that burlap, and, and he's looking around, and Clay shoots at one flying. And the one I had shot, I didn't mortally wound it. <laughs> and Lloyd saw it and took off down through the woods after it, and he ended up, he was the one that killed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's, it's pretty cool hunting with them. I mean, it's pretty rewarding to, the amount of hours I had spent this summer training him from a pup. I got him when he was uh, seven weeks old, and I'd spent a lot of time with him, and, yeah, it was pretty fun. It was a pretty cool experience when you finally, your game plan comes together. Hell, yeah. All right, so I got so many questions right now. <laughs> My mind is, like, blown, because Charles, he kind of explained it to me a little bit, and he kind of, in, in essence, kind of told me that story that you just said. But, like, my number one question is, like, I've never heard of a turkey dog before, ever. Like, I don't think anybody's ever heard of that before. How did you hear about it, and then how did you go about finding a turkey dog? Because that, to me, for fall turkey, that's genius. Like, Honestly, you know how you asked about the building your own calls? It was a lot harder than that. I can imagine. Lot- <laughs> um, I, I honestly had tried. Um, I got on this list for this litter the year prior, and the female didn't take, and then just trying to find guys who had them because there aren't very many people breeding these dogs. I mean, they're not very popular, as you know, right. as you're finding out. Yeah. So um, I uh, I belong to this, um, It's I think it's called the uh, Turkey Dog Wild, uh, I can't remember, American Turkey Dog Organization. I um, huh. can't remember off the top of my head, but 
they post stuff on Facebook and upcoming litters and stuff, and they also have a uh, page online. And I saw that there had been a previous breeding. Well, I got a hold of this guy, Carol Gass, right? And uh, I saw he had a litter, and I asked him if he had any pups still available from this, this litter he had. And he said, no, but I'll keep you in mind when I have another one. Well, he gets a hold of me last spring, around April, and he said, hey, are you still interested in the dog? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I have a female that's about to have pups here in the next week or so. I was like, I'll take one. And so then he said, this female has pups, and, you know, uh, he goes, I told him I had I, I wanted a dark-colored male if possible. Well, he had three. He had uh, a light-colored male, like a, a tan-colored female, and um, and Lloyd, this black male. He said, I got a black male here if you want him. I said, I'll take him. I said, let me know when to come get him. He said, come get him in seven weeks. I said, okay. So I took a Friday off. And uh, actually, I didn't take a Friday off. After work, I drove down to Virginia, got a hotel, picked them up the next morning, and drove back. Six and a half hour drive, and I got my turkey dog. That's awesome, wow. dude. That did, is absolutely. Did you awesome. have a preference between male and female? Um, I don't know. I I guess I wanted a male just so I didn't have to deal with the female being in heat and stuff. And if I yeah. wanted to breed them and get a pup eventually, I didn't have to worry about a whole litter. I just had to worry about one. Good right. call. Good call. So I think that was why I I chose male over female. That's insane. Yeah. I got to see that dog work sometime. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I just want to see him work. Like, even if you could just video that, I think it would blow people's minds. Yeah. Yeah. It, he, I mean, he really does work like a bird dog, but then, like, you can see the hound part kick in. Like, hmm. he'll stay close to me, and he'll stay probably, like, he'll be, like, 30 yards, then he'll be 100 yards, then he'll come back and check in, and then he'll go back out to, like, 80 yards, check in. But then when he hits the scent, like, he's, you can tell on the GPS, and I have a notification to let me know when he gets to 150 yards, because if he goes to 150 yards, I know he's on the scent, and then I'll stop and I'll listen to see if he's going to bark, or if I see the him start circling on, on the GPS. Oh, man, like, I feel like you're, you de- you have a vest on him, you got an orange vest on him, I feel like you need to mount like a GoPro to that vest, <laughs> and actually watch him, like, break up the flock, like, I think that would be absolutely be cool. wild. Yeah, that would be cool. We might have to make this happen. We're going to so. We're going to have to get together <laughs> next fall. Uh get a camera on that dog, get out there and just film you do your thing. I kind of want to film you do like the whole thing. I think well, I actually had um uh Chad Claycomb. He he has his um Claycomb Outdoors. He came up and we didn't get anything. The weather didn't really cooperate, but we broke a few flocks up. We never mm-hmm. we never get one. He came up and filmed this fall. My, um he came up my my one of my good friends Dylan Mild, he has a dog from a different bloodline he has a female and um we hunted we hunted together for a week and we did uh out of that week we did get i want to say two birds my dad had killed one and another guy killed one yeah i'm pretty sure you Nothing posted film, but yeah you posted two of them i'm pretty sure that was impressive that i was uh yeah so i've been following you on and i've been seeing the dog and seeing the progress and seeing you rewarded yeah. with a kill this year and Man, that's got to feel like a million bucks. Like you said, you put in yeah, all the hard did. work, and then you finally came through and you got one yourself. Uh, you got to be proud of that yeah, little that pup. The first one over top of him was was me, which I thought was pretty cool. Like my yeah. dad had killed one, but Lloyd wasn't sitting with him when he shot it. Yeah, but the first one that Lloyd got to see the gun go off, hear the gun go off, and see the turkey, and yeah, it was pretty cool. That is awesome, man. That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> I just I can't even yeah. I can't even fathom that because I've seen bird dogs work mm-hmm. so many times, just really watching them, really good bird dogs and like 
it blows my mind watching them do that. I mean, I can't even imagine a turkey dog. Like, that's yeah, crazy. Just, if we're sitting here at home, all I have to do is say, where's the turkey? And he'll go nuts and he'll <laughs> check all the windows. And he's like, I know there's a turkey somewhere. He's like a beagle. He wants to work, man. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's excellent. He's funny. That's awesome. So let's let's kind of wrap things up here. Do you, wait, wait, you, wait, wait, wait. Don't what? wrap it up yet. I'm not wrapping up. I wanted the favorite turkey story. Okay. If I got a different right. one after that, too. Okay, so that's good. Do you have something you want to get to first, Austin? No, go ahead. Go for the turkey story. Right. I like that, too. I want to hear I, your favorite turkey story. You can get to story. it first because I don't know. I got to think of my favorite turkey story because I got a, I got a bunch, of, bunch of turkey stories. Actually, I have a good turkey story. All right. There we go. I have a really good turkey story. Um, <laughs> this was 2015. I get into this spot up in the National Forest, and uh, I'm there well before day daybreak, and now I'm... I didn't know exactly where these turkeys were. I knew there were turkeys up in there because my grandpa had told me he, he saw some tracks on the road. And so I park at the gate and I go back this road and I'm listening and I hear, I hear a gobble and it was, it was really far away. It was probably, I would say like 600 yards away, but oh, it's yeah. so quiet up there. I mean, you can hear that far. Oh yeah. So I just start walking that way and, and I keep getting closer and then I, I can tell where he's at. By the time I got to him, he was on the ground. So I start calling to this bird, you know. And he does his normal thing where he'll gobble and he'll answer, but he's not going to move. He's just going to stand in this one spot and strut. So I said, you know what? I'm going to give you like an hour. I'm just going to shut up and I'm just going to sit here. And when, when you get excited again, I'll, I'll start calling. So I sat there and, uh, I hear a gobble. Now this, it's the same bird, but he like moved off like 300 yards to, to like my three o'clock. So I loop around down onto this road. A lot of the birds I kill up there, they just come right up those those gas well roads. They, you just set up on the gas well road. It's a dirt road. You just set right up on it. Right. Shoot them. So I'm set up on this road, and this bird answers every call, and he comes walking up with a Jake, a hen, and himself. Hmm. And I shoot him at like 15 yards. Jeez. And I was I was I was pretty excited because you know like my game plan worked. I was going to shut up and wait till he got excited. Right. I, did. I, I was excited, you know. And it was a pretty decent bird. It had like a ten and a quarter inch beard, probably inch spurs, you know. Decent real good, bird. yeah, real good bird. So I'm walking out to my my car, and you know, I I get out there, and there's this guy sitting out there on his tailgate, and I'm like, all right. And I said, oh, good morning. And he said, oh, that's a pretty nice one. And I said, yeah. And he said, he goes, oh, it's pretty easy when when you get in front of a guy calling him in, and I'm like. I didn't even know how to respond because I was like, shit, did I walk in front of that guy on the road and he not say anything? Like, I was like trying, everything was going through my mind. Like, this guy, I just cut this guy off. And I'm like, What's it, what are you talking about? And he said, I was set up over in that, that field and that food plot. And you, I was calling that bird in and, and you went right down where that hen was calling and you shot. And I'm like, I'm like, my mind's going like a thousand miles an hour. I'm trying to figure out what this guy's talking about. <laughs> I didn't hear him calling. <laughs> right, right. That's what and I mean. I didn't hear a hen calling. And I'm like, and then I pieced it together. I'm like, oh, you heard me calling and you thought I was the hen. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. I said, well, did you hear me calling? And he said, no, you never called. <laughs> there said, you go. That's them you know A&F custom calls and right there. And I grabbed there. my mouth call and I started calling. And then and this guy wouldn't let it go. He's like, no. And he's like, that was you cut me off. So I'm like, dude, I didn't cut you off. I've been hunting here all morning. And like, I was getting into it with this guy. I just shot this freaking turkey. I'm not in public land. I shoot this turkey and this guy's bitching at me because I cut him off. I'm like, dude, you were sitting in this field with decoys. Yeah. I said, you were 200 yards from this bird. 
man. It was so funny. I was like, this guy's losing his mind. Oh, man. You got to love. You got to love it up here, man. You got to love public land in Pennsylvania. That's just what you get, you know? You're going to have guys that aren't happy for your success. And, you know, they want to sit on the edge of a field all day with decoys and call all day long. And then whenever they finally hear a bird talking and someone else shoots it, they say you cut them off. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. you're the one that, that made a stalk on a bird from 600 plus yards away, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you never even heard that guy. You did everything yeah, I never, right. I didn't see his decoys, didn't hear him call. Right. I was, I was, and it was like, I'm like, this guy's out of his mind. It was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. And then another time, I actually have two, two funny stories where right. other head running guys Dude, we're all about the stories. Yep. Lay them down, man. Yeah, they're coming out now. Um, I go into this spot and, uh, it was kind of late in the season and, um, I was like, no one's going to be back in here. No one was parked at the gate or anything. And I hear this bird. Actually, I walked all the way to the back and I didn't hear anything. On my way out, I hear this bird and it's down over this hill. So I set up, of course, on that gas well road and I'm calling. Well, there's a bend in the road. So I'm, I'm set, I have myself set up. So when this bird comes up this hill, he's going to come up onto the road and then he's going to have to come around the bend and I'm going to be waiting there like 15 yards away. I'm nice. a cloud. Well, when he, I hear him gobble, and I, like you can hear that rattle in the road. I'm like, he's like 25 yards away, getting ready to come up onto this hill, or up onto this road from the hill. And when he steps up on the road, I hear this gunshot, and all these babies come flying and hitting the trees that are right beside me. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Like I thought I was killing this bird. Well, here this guy shoots it. He set up. The bird comes out between me and this guy. This guy came in hunting behind me. And and shot right at me. Thought I was a turkey. Oh, dude! Oh my gosh! He's like, and, and the, his, he shoots, and this bird goes flopping down the mountain. And I just yelled to him. I was like, "Hey, I'm a hunter over here." And, and you know, he's like, he's like, oh, he like started freaking out. He was all shook up because he didn't know. He thought I was a a turkey. And I'm like, you better just go get your turkey before it goes down to the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> dude, that's the yeah, video he, from like. The Hunter's Education Program. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, I didn't know. He's like, he said, I saw you park here, but I didn't figure you, that was you calling. And I'm like, well, you better figure that next time. Yeah, dude, you shoot at me again, you're gonna have problems. Yeah, you, you'd think if you, you know, you at least look, and if you didn't see a bird out there, I mean, check your background. You know, it, yeah. it only makes sense. But man, that's. But wild. I guess that's the downside to sounding decent with the mouth calls. You might get shot at or accused or. Yeah. Dude, I, I take it off. back. I don't want your calls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really don't want shot at. <laughs> that actually, uh, that happened to Bud last year. Um, we were out turkey hunting. Actually, it was one of the times he went out with his dad, Junior, and they were calling in this bird and working this bird and, and creeping up to him. And all it had to do was crest this hill. Well, here they see this guy jump out of his truck run across the wide open field and jump into a fence line and try cutting them off. I mean, literally cut right in, in front of them both. Yeah. And the bird walks like right by him. The guy doesn't even take the shot. And then he ends up spooking them away. And that, you know, they, they shook it off. They're like, whatever. It's, it's fine. You know, it, it's private land, but this guy's on his piece of the private land. So they, they start working another bird and another bird's coming in. Same thing. This guy had left by now. Well, he must have lived nearby. He could hear the turkeys gobbling. 
Next thing you know, they see him fly up in his truck, jump out, run across the field, and scare all the birds away again. <laughs> well, now Bud's all hot-headed. He runs down there and starts screaming yeah. at the guy. He's like, what are you talking about? I've been here all morning. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, man, I just saw you get out of your truck twice and run across that field, and you spooked the birds both times. Like, you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh, it was so funny. He was telling me that story. I'm like, man, that that's just what you get. It's it's yeah. private land, even here. It doesn't matter. Public, private. Oh, it's all over the place. You're gonna, you're gonna have bird hunters. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I don't even mind guys coming hunting behind me because I mean they have just as much right to be there as I do. But Absolutely. just don't shoot at me. Don't shoot at me. Oh man, that's, that's crazy. crazy. That's crazy. Well. Kyle, we are getting closer to time here, but since this is technically a deer hunting podcast, I want to hear your favorite deer hunting story. Favorite deer hunting story. Other than the one I told, let me think here. Maybe it was even your first deer. It doesn't have to be your favorite. Maybe it was your first deer. It could be a doe. It could be anything. I'm not. Oh, yeah. First deer. I don't know. That one's easy. That was up in the National Forest. Um, I hunted all day with my, my dad and my grandpa. Um, they were putting on little drives for us, you know, I'd stand with one of them or, mm-hmm. uh, and one of them would come up through the brush or whatever. And then it was, it was sometime in the afternoon. I don't remember how late, but my dad was going to come through this old tornado area up there. And, uh, my grandpa and I, he, my dad drops us off and we drop my dad off. We go up and park and then he was going to come up through whenever we got ready. We would let him know on the radio. We walk up into the woods. And I get all loaded up and stuff. We walk up into the woods, and my grandpa looks down the hill, and he goes, hey, Kyle, there's a few deer down there. And I said, where? And he goes, right down there. And they were like 100 yards. I pull up. I shoot. And they run. They take off running. We didn't know what what went, what, what went on, you know. Uh, we go down there. There's some blood. You know, We tracked it for like, I want to say, 400 yards. And we find it laying there. And I was so scared that I was. 12 years old, I was like, I don't want to finish it off, you know? <laughs> so I had to get my dad the gun, and he shot it in the head, and that was it. That was my first deer. That's wild, dude. I shot yeah. my first deer right in the head. <laughs> I, was, I want to say, I, I was with my grandpa on a, on a lot of my first kills, you know? I was My first yeah. spring gobbler kill um, was before school. He, he took me out. My dad was working uh, midnight turn at the mill, and I wanted to go turkey hunting. My grandpa took me out, and this bird, it was a three-year-old, and it wouldn't, you know, it was kind of bullheaded. It wouldn't really answer calls and stuff. So we set up on the edge of this field, and we knew where he was going to come out. And when he came out to the edge of the, the pasture, uh, I had my gun on my lap, and I had to wait until he got behind a tree, picked the gun up, and 15 yards away, I got him. That's awesome, man. You know, there's something to be said for that, bird. too. Like, going out and hunting with your grandpa, especially, like, your first turkey and stuff like that. That's so yeah. cool. My grandpa's the one who got me into turkey hunting. We never killed a bird together, obviously, but um, yeah. it was just fun, man. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun hunting with him. He's he's he can't hear so well, so in the fall he can't hear him whistle. And I'm like, I called in a bird last year. It came up to like 30 yards, and he's looking one way, and I'm like, why aren't you going to shoot that? I just said it out loud while the bird's standing there. I said, are you going to shoot that turkey? And he's he's like, what? He never heard of it. <laughs> He still, yeah, he's he still bear hunts with us. He'll he'll go on drives. That's he's awesome. Years old and still hunt. That's awesome, man. You know, speaking of not hearing very well, I don't hear very well myself. <laughs> yeah, so you got like Charles over here. He's probably going to do the same thing. Hey, you going to shoot that turkey or what? <laughs> this guy, and I was thinking about this today. It's funny as you mentioned that, Austin. He we we hunt some of his spots, so he leads us in. 
Well, <laughs> he's walking in, and say you see a bird on the roost, and you give a little pss, pss, and you're trying to be quiet. He don't hear. He just keeps dropping through the woods. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do from now on. We're going to tie some paracord around my waist. That was my plan. And when we're walking in, you give me a little yank-yank, <laughs> and then I'm good. Yeah. We're going to either give him hearing aids, or we're going to tie a rope around him so we can yank on him whenever we <laughs> see something or hear something to stop his ass. Because you'll stop and try to listen. He'll just keep walking. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I can hear. I just don't hear super good. That's the problem. When I when a little pss, pss comes off, I don't hear it, obviously. You're but last year, we're walking into a spot. I have Anthony with me behind me. And I'm walking in. And... It's it's just before gray light. It's still dark out, but it's it's enough that you can kind of see like the sky a little bit in the backdrop. And he obviously he was trying to get a hold of me, but I couldn't hear him for some reason. <laughs> probably because I was wearing earplugs. <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> no, and uh, he ended up tapping me on the shoulder, and he just pointed. He's like, "Look up," and I look, and there's like fifteen birds in the roost right there. I was like, "Oh my god!" I knew they were roosted down here. I didn't even see them. So that was always fun, you know. <laughs> so pretty much Chuck and uh, Anthony now they make fun of my hearing. So you know, <laughs> it, it's horrible. I'm like, do you do you at least have one good ear? No, no, they're both they're equally both shot. bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. So all right, Kyle. Before we let you go, buddy, we got to give you uh, at least a few quick fire. Um, so we're going to ask you a question. You just give a quick response. It can be, you know, short response. If you want to get into it, go ahead. But first and foremost, what is your best advice for a new turkey hunter? Ooh, I like that. Um, I would say don't be afraid to bump a turkey. Get as close as you can and the closer you can get, the better chance you have to get them called in. Okay. And now I actually want to comment on that because I, I like that point. So... Here's a good question. Say you're a new turkey hunter. You hear a turkey gobble off. You're calling. You can hear them about 100, 150 yards away, and, and they just keep gobbling, but they're not getting any closer. I see a lot of mistakes people make. As soon as they hear bird gobble, they set up right then and there. What do you prefer uh, if you hear them and you know they're, you know, say 200 yards and you know the terrain? If I know the terrain, if I hear a couple hundred yards, I'll just start walking towards the turkey. I mean, at that point, I'll make another call. And if you could tell the turkey's coming towards you, mm -hmm. then at that point, you can set up, kind of set up and, you know, then then you stop and you call from there. Other than that, um, I try to get as close as I can. If I know it's the bird that's going to hang up and, and stay in one spot, then, um, sorry, Lloyd's messing with me right now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't good, hear. Um, <laughs> if I know the bird's going to hang up, then I'll uh, I'll try to get as close as I can. And I've, I'll bump a lot of turkeys doing that, but... Yeah, he's not going to come in otherwise. So if you can get within that little bubble that he's comfortable with, he might he might come take a peek, and you could get him. Awesome, awesome advice. My second question is: What is your favorite hunting tradition? Favorite hunting tradition? Yeah, I would say is bear camp. Um, nice. That's the tradition that I think I'll probably do for the rest of my life: is take that three three days before Thanksgiving and go up there with my brothers and my dad and for my grandpa as long as he's alive and all my family and friends, and that's something we're going to do every year, and it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That was a super yeah. solid answer, man. Um, what would be, so for a turkey hunter, what would be, in your opinion, the most useful piece of gear that somebody could have? Your shotgun? Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I wasn't expecting that. But that Outside was good. of the obvious, <laughs> shotgun, choke. Uh, what, well, first off, what load are you, are you running? 
Uh, I shoot um, Remington uh, Premier Magnum. I think they're two and a quarter ounce, three and a half inch. Okay. Nice. Okay. And then now. I, I, I use fours, number fours. <laughs> That's what I use what too. I use. I'm a big fan of fours. Okay. So what what do you think then outside of the gun and, and the ammo, what do you think is the best thing someone can have with them when they're turkey hunting? Yeah, I could have phrased that a little bit better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Come back with that, Chuck. You uh, kind of cut out on me there. Sorry. I was saying outside of the obvious where you have the gun, your ammo, what other best piece of equipment can they have with them on a new turkey hunt? Well, if you don't know the the terrain, always knowing where the turkey's at. So I use I'll use my phone a lot too. Like if I'm not familiar with the area, like I'll kind of look and see what the landscape is. I look at like Google Earth or or whatever and kind of see if it's like a slope or you kind of want to put yourself where you think the turkey's more willing to walk than 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 not. So like if if I'm set up downhill from them, I'll try to get up on the next bench to try to get up to them, and they'll be more inclined to come in. You want to, you, I always try to set up, and that's kind of where the GPS comes in, in mm-hmm. play is I, I always want to set up where it's the easiest way for the turkey to get and the most willing he's going to be. Most willing way, the most willing way for him to come in. Nice. Nice. That's super solid. And the last question. So if someone wanted to get started turkey hunting, they have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea how to call turkey or, or locate turkey or anything like that. From start to go, I mean, really simple. I mean, you don't have to make it very detailed or anything. How would you suggest somebody go about starting turkey hunting from start to finish? So I think why I love turkey hunting and it's my favorite thing to hunt is you can go have fun with turkeys and you don't even have to kill them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I was when I was a teenager, my dad used to drop me off in the woods and he'd come back and pick me up. I'd tell him, come back and pick me up at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I would sit there and I would call those birds in. Like I'd start in March and I would just, call them in and that's kind of how i got to see what they'd answer to when to shut up calling when to call that's kind of how i figured out how to turkey hunt was not even hunting it was just spending time in the woods in the spring and calling them in now a lot of guys will say well you're educating that bird well backstory to this one bird i had killed it was one of the biggest ones i ever killed i called him in three times before the season and shot him on the youth hunt (laughs) so i mean yeah (laughs) <laughs> it, it's it's a, it's a very debated subject, but I mean, to each their own. But that's kind of how I learned to turkey hunt was going out not while not turkey hunting and and learning the birds' behavior and mm-hmm. what they like, what they don't like, where, where they're gonna, what they're willing to walk through, what they're not willing to walk through to get to you. You know, do they want to go uphill? Do they want to go downhill? Yeah, that's that's what I would. That's a tip I would say is just spending time calling them in the woods. No, I that that's super solid advice, and I couldn't agree more. Just actually getting out there and learning how the birds work. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had done that instead of making the excuse that I didn't know how, how to call and then stay out of the woods, because I'd always wait for someone else to go with. And then finally, I said, "Why am I doing this when I can just put a mouth call in and say enough is enough? Watch enough YouTube videos and learn how to call, you know." And that's what I eventually did, and it, it's worked out pretty decent for me. But uh, yeah. So let's let's wrap things up. So. Being our newest sponsor, we're very happy to have you. Yes, we are. Very excited. We're really excited for this opportunity, and I want you to let everybody know where they can find you. So we just opened up our Instagram page. Uh, it's ANF underscore custom calls. And then on there, we also have our, our email account, ANF custom calls at gmail.com. Awesome. You can send us a message on either, and we'll get a hold of you, and we'll get the call you want. If you if we have If we don't have something you want, I'll make it as best as I can or close as I can to what you want. Right. And you don't really need to know 
what you want. You can just say, hey, I'm a new caller. I don't really know what I want. I don't know the cuts. I don't know the stretches, you know, the tension. Uh, why don't, can you make me something that'll work for me? And that's what I told you. Basically, I was just like, hey, I'm not a real good caller. I'm not real experienced. Give me something basic. You're like, I got it. And you sent me calls and I can run them. So obviously you can take from little to no guidance to the very specifics and make something amazing out of it. Right. You do a very good job at that. So I will give you credit for that. So, all right, man. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I definitely enjoyed the time talking with you and catching up because we haven't been able to talk for a while. But, uh, why don't you, uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, absolutely. No problem, man. Kyle Allen of ANF Custom Calls. That guy is awesome. Kyle's the boy. Cowboy. He's the man. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) he he is. And, you know, it really, I never got into the details and specifics of turkey hunting with him. No. I'm going to save that for another episode, you know. Yeah. There were so many other things I could have asked him, and we were just kind of rambling this Mm -hmm. episode. It was a little bit all over the place, but we were excited. And I, I don't know what to tell you. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, but even what we got out of him, you know, was more than I expected. And it really goes to play on his knowledge of turkey hunting. Oh, absolutely. The he, guy's done it a ton. Oh, totally, totally. He told some great stories. He I did. Mean, it's just, that's He's what this is all about. We want to hear stories when we talk to good hunters. Mm-hmm. It's a cool product. I mean, I'm super excited to get a couple of those calls in my hand. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I've been running these calls, no, no joke, for three, four years now. And I love them. I can, if I can make the calls sound good, anybody out there can make the calls sound good because I am just literally the most newbie of newbies <laughs> when it comes to mouth calling. Hey, it's all right, man. I heard you calling out last year and I was like, man, I need to get a couple of those. And I threw you under the bus. You did. But you know what? I'm not sad about it. I wanted one of those calls pretty bad. So, you know. <laughs> I'm a busy guy. You know, I, I don't know. Last spring was a, a pretty busy time for me. It's, Usually tax season. You were busy killing turkeys. I started a new job. Yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. I, can't I apologize. You. This year, I brought him in as a sponsor and you're going to get your call. So I'm trying to make up for it. I apologize. Now let's go kill some birds. Let's go kill some birds. I'll give you a hug later. It'll be okay. It'll, it'll be good. We're, yeah. we're still friends. We're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Oh, we are. We are. So, guys, if you want to order the calls, again, we, we talked about it in the episode, but go on to ANF underscore custom calls on Instagram or give them an email at ANF custom calls at gmail.com. And do not forget to use our code WDP. That will get you the $5 for the call and free shipping. Guys, listen, you can go to Walmart right now and get a cheap, shitty ass call off the shelf. And it sounds terrible. It's going to taste terrible mm-hmm. when you put it in your mouth. <laughs> Nothing good comes from buying a, a, a stupid still, little 6 or $7 call right. from, from Walmart or Kmart or wherever the hell you're going to go and find mm-hmm. those, okay? You can go on to a lot of custom turkey call sites, and you're going to spend 15 to $20 for a premium diaphragm call. Kyle is kicking out premium diaphragm calls for you guys for 5 you can't even really get a $5 foot long for that price you anymore. You can't even get a $5 <laughs> foot long for that price anymore. Honestly, go out. It's, it's $5, guys. Order one of his calls. Give it a try. I promise you, you will order another one. And I'll be honest, order as many as you can this year because while they're 5 bucks and he's kicking out great, great calls, 
they're going to last you. In the episode, he he played on a call. He blew on a call that was two years old, right? Yeah, and then, you know what? It doesn't sound. It sounds good on there. It doesn't sound perfect because you're not standing there with him. He's blowing it into a phone. Mm-hmm. It just it is what it is, and it still sounds good. So it did. It sounded great on our end. We're listening through headphones, so it sounds really good to us. I hope it comes through clear with you guys. But other than that, I can attest for him. We killed three birds last spring. Yeah. I was a part of every one of those birds killed. I had one of his calls in my mouth nonstop the whole time. Yep. I couldn't agree more, man. The 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 proof is in the pudding, man. The proof is in the pudding. You, listen, we've said it before. We're going to say it again. Risk it for the biscuit. Go out there. Spend $5. <laughs> get yourself a premium diaphragm call of your choosing. He does all different kinds of styles and brands and everything like that. Not brands, but you know what I mean. Listen, we're going to have to get a hold of Clint Campbell because he keeps using that on his podcast after our episode. Uh, he's going to have to speak to our attorneys. I don't we, know what we, we're talking about. The risk it for, for the oh, biscuit. Oh, well, yeah, whatever. He, it was on his episode <laughs> that we that we started talking about. So, either way. Clint Campbell, I'm just kidding, man. Yeah, I love that, dude. Yeah. But anyway, people, run over to iTunes. Give us the five-star review. Run over to Instagram. Give us a like. Say hey. Run over to Facebook. Give us a like. Say hey. Run over <laughs> to Go Wild. Give us a like. Say hey. Send me an email. Say hey. I'll give you a high five five times for all those. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to our podcast. Give us a listen week in, week out. Let us know what you want to hear. Okay. We're here for you guys. We're going to start getting into some more local people with really good stories. And we're also going to bring you some really good episodes coming down. So, yep. I couldn't agree more. Let's end it there. Let's end it there. Distraction's real. The distraction is real. From antelope in the western plains to the whitetails of the Midwest and giant black bears in Canada. Watch 100% bow hunting action on Respect the Game, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.